Thank you. You may be seated. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive your offering. And you give tonight. Be faithful in your giving. Father, thank you now for the joy of being able to serve you. Thank you for all of your blessings. They're so numerous. We couldn't count them all. But we thank you for them and accept our gratitude tonight. Bless our offering and may our giving be a reflection of our gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey!
Everyone tonight, let's all stand, please. Get out. This is your time to fellowship. Look around, find those visitors. Our Savior's love. Be ready to sing in just a minute. Pastor preached a message at the beginning of the year about storms in our lives. And uh, one thing he said in that message, he said, if you're going through a storm, you should remember what Christ told the disciples. He said, let's go to the other side. They got in the middle of the lake. There was a storm. But because Christ was in the boat with them, they were going to the other side. Christ is in my boat. I'm going to the other side. This old hymn. We wanted to share tonight just to comfort your heart, give you the assurance 
a haven is a place of comfort, a place of safety, it's a place of rest. David had this prayer in Psalm chapter 61. It says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Thank God that Jesus is our haven of rest.
praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 28. And while you're finding your place, if your heart is as full as mine has been all through this day, it's probably some of you or somebody wants to get up and say a word. Amen? Go ahead. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Always, Terry. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. No, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Give him praise for that. Amen. I'm glad and thank the Lord for it. Good. Good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Great. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes, go ahead, Robert. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother Robert. Yes. Amen. coming a day when Robert, you and Jennifer won't be blind either, amen. <laughs> yeah, glory. Amen. Someone else. Amen. Anyone else? Yes, Clarence, amen. Amen. <laughs> sure. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Bless you. Sure. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And he's worthy. Amen. Amen. Sure. Amen. Oh, Brother Graham, up in Bristol. Testimonies are a blessing. Amen. It's good for you to testify. It kind of clears the cobwebs out of your soul. And just uh, brag on the Lord. Let's stand as we honor the reading of his word. <clears throat> for a few Sunday nights, we are thinking about how to handle what's handling you. Now, we've looked at a couple of things. We looked at the subject of fear. And then we looked at the subject of guilt. Tonight, I want us to look at the subject of loneliness. And if I put a title on it, it would be, So You're So Lonesome You Could Cry. Amen? Look at Genesis chapter 28, and I want you to look at a very, very lonely man. Genesis 28 and verse 10. The Bible said that Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set on, upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray, and tonight we'll think about the subject of loneliness. What is God's answer <clears throat> to loneliness? Let's pray. Our Father, tonight we pause for just a moment to give you thanks for the blessings, Lord, that you allow us to enjoy. Father, I stand amazed that you would give us a home such as you have given us, but I stand equally amazed, Lord, that you'd have any interest in our life whatsoever. Father, you've blessed us tonight. I don't understand that. You've warmed our hearts tonight. I don't understand that. All through this day, Lord, you have softened, softened our hearts. And through this day, Lord, you have spoken to us. And all through this day, Lord, we have heard your voice. I don't understand that. But I thank you, Lord, tonight that you love us. And because of your grace... You show great interest in us. I also thank you, Lord, that you are deeply concerned about everything that touches our life, whether it be the fears that we have 
or the guilt that we carry or even loneliness, no matter what we face in life or what we're going through in life, Lord, you are deeply concerned about it. And I thank you, Lord, tonight that you minister to us in every need, whatever that need is. And I thank you tonight for your word, for in your word, Lord, you give us answers to meet the needs of our life. And I thank you. Now, Lord, help us tonight from this example to glean truths that will help us in this particular matter. And we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The police found James Lee slumped in a telephone booth outside of a Chicago tavern. He had taken his life with a bullet through his head. In his pocket they found a folded and worn child's crayon drawing. On, on it were written the words, Please leave in my coat pocket. I want to have it buried with me. The drawing was signed in childish print by his daughter, Shirley Lee, who had died in a fire just five months before. Shirley's mother had died when she was two. And since there was no family to attend, James had asked total strangers to attend his daughter's funeral so she could have a nice service. But shortly before James took his life, he had given what few earthly possessions that he had to the church that Shirley had been attending. And he said, maybe in 10 or 20 years, someone will see her memorial plaque and wonder who Shirley Ellen Lee was and say, someone must have loved her very much. But James Lee walked into a phone booth and he called a Chicago newspaper and he began to share his heart-rending heart -rending story with the reporter. He told the reporter, he said, I have nothing to live for. And he told the reporter, I feel so alone in this world. The reporter frantically tried to trace the call. They were able to do so, but when the pre police arrived, it was too late. James Lee had taken his life. When I read that story, I thought about how this world is full of James Lees. There are many people in this world, we do not sit on the outside, but on the inside, they are very, very lonely. One study found that 80% of the psychiatric patients that were interviewed said they sought help because of their loneliness. At least a half a million people attempt suicide in the United States each year, and many of those attempts are linked to loneliness. A study by the American Council of Life Insurance reported that the most lonely group in the world are college students. When I began to research the subject of loneliness, I was struck by the number of web pages that exist on the Internet that are dedicated to loneliness among college students. Next on the list were divorced people, welfare recipients, single mothers, housewives, and the elderly. Kirby Anderson, president of Probe Ministries, wrote that the baby boom generation is headed for a crisis of loneliness. And he gave two reasons. One was demographics and the other was social isolation. You see, when you talk about the baby boomer generation, you're talking about a generation that in many, many, many times has postponed marriage. Rather than getting married early, as many of us did, the baby boomer generation postpones marriage, and many of them choose to live alone. He said that's one of the reasons the baby boomer generation is headed for a crisis of loneliness. 
But on the other hand, talking about the baby boomers, while they postponed marriage, instead of living alone, they have chosen to live with someone else. But yet he found, and it's been found in studies, that they still feel lonely. Psychologist and bestseller author Dan Kelly has coined the term living together loneliness, or LTL. And he estimates that between 10 and 20 million people, primarily women, suffer from this living together loneliness. But when I think about the matter of loneliness, I'm aware tonight that loneliness is not always because a person is alone. There are many that live in large cities in the metropolitan centers of this country with thousands of people, yea, millions of people around them, but they struggle with this nagging feeling of loneliness. Henry David Thoreau commented that a city is a place where hundreds of people are alone together. Dr. Roberta Hestonies refers to this as crowded loneliness. So loneliness is a problem that touches basically every specific part of our society and everyone within that society. Researchers have found that loneliness and many physical problems are closely connected. The University of Chicago and Ohio State University found that loneliness is as bad for the heart as smoking, obesity, or high blood pressure. One survey reported that more than 50% of the heart patients admitted that they were lonely and depressed before their heart attack. In 1998, a Swedish study of 1,290 heart bypass patients found that those who reported being lonely were more than twice as likely to die within 30 days after surgery as those that weren't. Similarly, British researchers found that men and women who were socially isolated, that is, they had few family and friends, were half again as likely to die after a heart attack as those with plenty of social contacts. Many have found that cancer has been related to loneliness. And on and on it goes that many times our loneliness and our physical problems are closely connected. One of my favorite authors is an old Presbyterian by the name of Clarence E. McCartney. And many years ago, he wrote a book entitled Facing Life and Getting the Best of It. And in the book, he deals with some of the subjects that we are dealing with, fear and loneliness and so on and so on. But the chapter on loneliness, he makes this statement. He said, any series of sermons on this subject, facing life and getting the best of it without a sermon on loneliness would be obviously incomplete. For loneliness is one of the deepest shadows cast upon our world. That book was written back in the 1930s. And I think it would be just as true today because the shadows of loneliness have cast their shadows upon all walks of the society in which we live. If the truth of the matter was known, many of a heart would echo the words of Samuel Taylor Coleridge in the rhyme of the ancient mariner, alone, alone, all, all, alone, alone on a wide, wide sea. It may be there's some here tonight that on the outside, everything looks great, but on the inside, you are very, very lonely. You may feel like the one fellow that wrote uh, that wanted to join one of the Lonely Hearts Club. So he sent them a photograph, and they sent his picture back in a note that read, we're not that lonely. Well, I want to say tonight that loneliness, how do we handle loneliness in our life rather than loneliness handling us? I believe tonight 
as with the other subjects I have considered and all the subjects I will consider in the weeks to come, I believe that you can find help in God's Word. And I believe you can find an answer to whatever you're facing in life, even the matter of loneliness. It may help you tonight to know that there were people in the Bible that struggled with loneliness. I know that when I read the Bible, it is often an encouragement to my heart to find people struggling with the same things that I struggle with in life. And so it may encourage you tonight to know that you are not alone if you are lonely. So I want us to look tonight at one such example in the Bible. We read about him a moment ago. I'll point out a few things about Jacob and this matter of loneliness. Three simple things for which we'll look at the matter of loneliness tonight. The first one is this. I want you to look at a case of loneliness. A case of loneliness. And I draw your attention to our text in Genesis 28. In Genesis 28, we see Jacob at a very dark hour in his life. And when you read the chapter, you do not find the word alone in the chapter. But you do find Jacob alone. You don't find the words lonely. And you don't find the word lonesome. And you don't find the word loneliness in the chapter. But you do find a very, very lonely fella. In fact... For when you find Jacob here, he is a very, very lonely person. So I want us to quietly slip in on Jacob tonight. And I want us just to sit down just a little ways from him. And I want us to watch Jacob and listen to what goes on and learn something tonight about this lonely person. The first is this. I want you to think about the meaning of loneliness or loneliness defined. What do we mean when we talk about loneliness? I talk about Jacob being lonely. I talk about loneliness being a big problem in our society. What do I mean lonely? Let me share with you Warren Wearsby's definition of loneliness and listen to it. Wearsby writes, like many other feelings in our lives, it is easier to experience it than to define it. Loneliness is being all by yourself even when you're surrounded by other people. Loneliness is a feeling of isolation even in the midst of a crowd. You feel unwanted. You feel as though there is nothing to live for. You feel as though nobody really cares anymore. That, he writes, is loneliness. The counseling center at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign defined loneliness this way. You may feel lonely when you're alone and you don't feel that you have a choice not to be. You may feel lonely when you feel that you're lacking attachments that you had in the past. You may feel lonely when you're facing changes in your life, a new school, a new town, a new job, or other changes in your life. You may feel lonely when you feel there is no one in your life with whom you can share your feelings or your experiences. You may feel lonely when your self-perceptions are that you're unacceptable and unlovable and not worthwhile even if others don't share those perceptions. What do we mean when we talk about being lonely? It is the deep-seated, nagging feeling of being unnoticed, of being unloved, of being unneeded, of being unimportant and even unnecessary. It may be that someone sits in a dark room with the shades pulled and the, and the doors closed and they're thinking, you talk about loneliness, that's me, that's how I feel. 
Or it could be some executive sitting in an office where somebody is coming in that office every minute, but yet to read those things that I've just shared, that executive would say, that's exactly how I feel. Or it is very possible that you're sitting in this service tonight surrounded by all of these people, but yet that is how you feel. A spouse that has lost a loved one through death. A wife whose husband walked out upon them. A dorm, an empty door, dorm room, a student in a dorm room feeling so lonely. Or somebody that is distance of miles and miles away feeling so lonely. Or a pastor that has been forced out of his church feeling so lonely. That may be how you feel. If so, I want you to look at Jacob. Because you can be sure that Jacob was experiencing many of those feelings. For you not only see loneliness defined, but loneliness demonstrated. Look at our text again, Genesis 28, 10 and 11. The Bible said that Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. And he lay down in that place to sleep. When you look at Genesis 28, you find Jacob away from home for the first time in his life. Now, we're familiar with Jacob. We know about Jacob. We know about Esau. What a contrast in brothers. Esau was an outdoorsman. Esau was the kind of fellow that enjoyed hunting. He enjoyed camping out. He enjoyed roughing it. He enjoyed sitting around a campfire all night long and sleeping out in the rough. If I was to picture Esau, I would find him in camouflage outfit with a bowie knife strapped to his sides and boots laced upon him and four or five days growth of beard. That's Esau. He was an outdoorsman. But Jacob, oh, he was altogether different. He was a homebody. Jacob was a mama's boy. Give him a roof over his head and a nice warm bed any day. But when you come to Genesis 28, you find him out, on, out in the desert, sleeping on the hard, cold ground, and he doesn't even have a blanket to pull over him to shelter him from the cold night air. And he uses a stone for a pillow. You can imagine Jacob was a very lonely fellow. Charles L. Allen told in one of his books of a woman that just before she went to bed, she would call a number that gave the correct time. And someone asked her one time if she did not have a clock, and she said, yes, I have a clock, but I call not because I want to know the time, but just because I want to hear somebody's voice before I go to bed. I think about Jacob laying out there in the desert. You can be sure that Jacob would have given anything to have heard a friendly voice. And Jacob would have given anything to heard a familiar voice. Jacob, a lonely man. October the 4th, 1970, the famed rock star Janis Joplin, the age of 27, was found in her Los Angeles hotel room dead from a drug overdose. But a few days earlier, she had shared with a friend, when I'm not on stage, I just lie around and watch television and feel very lonely. H.G. Wells, the noted British scientist, historian, lecturer, and author whom many consider one of be the greatest intellects of the 20th century, stated just before he died, I am lonely. Poor old Jacob out in the desert, if he'd had a book or a magazine that told their story, I can hear him sigh and say, I know how you feel. This is one cold, dark night, and there's one lonely fella in it. 
But you might ask the question, what was Jacob doing out in the middle of the desert sleeping in the cold? Let's go back a few days. And by doing so, we not only see a case of loneliness, but the cause of loneliness. The cause of loneliness. Here is Jacob out on the stars. First time he's ever been away from home. A lonely, lonely fella. But what's he doing there? Why are the circumstances that produces this loneliness in Jacob's life? I answer that. Let me take the opportunity to just point out a few reasons why people are lonely. For one thing, I think about loneliness that is caused by society. I think about the world in which we live. I think about the society in which we live. And oftentimes it is a very impersonal society. Long gone is the days when we were a name. We're nothing more than a number now. We're just one in the crowd. At the bank, we're an account number or a PIN number. Down at the store, we're a credit card number. To the postman, we're an address number. To the utility company, we are a security number or a phone number. For some of you, to the policeman, you're a driver's license number. Going to get amen like that. You call to check on something anymore, they don't ask you your name. They ask you your account number. Sometimes the society you live in, you think you're a prisoner. You know, you've got your own number and whatever that. We are a society, and a society in which we no longer are very close, but we're a very impersonal society. And then you add to that that we're a generation of casual contacts. We don't really get to know people like we used to know them. For example, don't respond anyway, but how many people do you know by name and really know personally on the street that you live? Think about the people you meet every day. How many of them do you really know? We're a generation of casual contacts. And even worse, we live in a very, very selfish society. Sadly, many only think of themselves, and the only thing they live for is number one. They're just out for themselves. They do not care about anybody else. It's me and what I want in life. You might say that we are society by and large that lives in our own little worlds, and we have no room for anyone else. I remember a number of years ago, I was called by one of the local funeral homes to do a funeral for someone that did not have a preacher, a lady that died. And I remember going to the funeral home. When I got there, there was a daughter and there was a granddaughter. They had flew in, flown in from a, dif- from a distant state, Arizona, I believe it was. I sit down with the daughter, I sit down with the granddaughter, learned a little bit about the woman, and... Uh, did their service but I remember the day I did this woman's service when I walked in that chapel there was nobody sitting in that chapel but that daughter and that granddaughter when I went out to the cemetery to do the committal there there was nobody but that granddaughter and that daughter and the personnel from the funeral home I later talked to one of the funeral directors and he shared with me about this lady how she had lived an isolated life how she had stayed indoors. She wouldn't go out. She wouldn't go anywhere. She wouldn't have anything to do with her neighbors. Nobody really knew anything about her. She had lived alone and she died alone. And I remember one of the loneliest feelings or one of the saddest feelings that I ever had was standing in that cemetery with me and a daughter and a granddaughter and nobody else. I thought, one, I don't want to live this way. But I couldn't help but think how lonely she must have been. And I know that her case is more extreme than most, but yet I'm reminded of the age and society in which we live and the kind of world we live in. It's no wonder 
That loneliness is a major problem in our day. But I don't only think of loneliness that is caused by society, but I think about a loneliness that is caused by success. When Harry S. Truman was president of the United States, he made the statement to be president of the United States is to be lonely, very lonely, at times of great decisions. You see, we're not only a society that shuts ourselves in and shuts others out, but we're a generation that is consumed with succeeding. We want to get to the top. The baby boomer generation wants to be the CEO. And so we work and strive to get to the top. But when we get to the top, we find out that success is not without its cost. Success and his positions of leadership, as President Truman discovered, can oftentimes be a very, very lonely place. I'll never forget reading something by Peter Drucker, the guru of modern-day American management. And he made a statement in one of his books that, one of the, that the four toughest jobs in America is to be, one, the president of the United States, two, the president of a major university, three, the chief administrator of a large hospital, and four the senior pastor of a large church. And he went on to explain that what all of these positions share in common is that those in these places of leadership constantly have someone coming to them and they're always coming to them with their needs and always coming, getting advice and help from them. But oftentimes the ones in that place of leadership have no one themselves to turn to for help and for advice. You see, success sometimes can be a very, very lonely place. There is loneliness that's caused by society, the world in which we live, the way we live. There's loneliness caused by success, but many cases, and if not most cases, loneliness that is caused by suffering. There is the experience of going through the deep tragedy of deep loss, such as a spouse losing someone they love very dearly. And many of you have walked that path. And you know that somebody you shared your life with for years and you were like one. You were not two, you were one. You shared your heart, you shared your life. The biggest part of your life and memories was wrapped up in that one person. But one day they're gone. And there is a huge hole left in your heart. There is the spouse whose husband walked out on them, leaving them for someone else. At first that thing is met with anger, but in time it gives way to loneliness. Friends turn their back on us. Friends that we spent time together, done things together, but somewhere something happened. They turned their back on us and they walked off of us and walked away from us and wrote us off. Sometimes it can pave the way for loneliness. Someone going through disease like cancer or some other disease can find themselves feeling that nobody really understands. And people can come in and, and say, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you, and, and, and show their love and show their care. But the individual themselves is thinking to themselves, they really don't know what I'm going through. And sometimes going through some kind of physical situation can make you feel so lonely as if you're on an island all by yourself. Loneliness can be caused by society, the kind of world we live in. And sometimes it can be caused by success. Sometimes it's caused by suffering. But sometimes it's caused by sin. Go back to Jacob. Why was Jacob under the stars? Why is Jacob shivering in the cold? Why is he using a stone for a pillow? Well, let me take you back for a few days. You see, if anybody ever had a name 
that was properly given, it was Jacob. I love to go in the stores. You've seen these card racks and these little name tags where it has your name and then it has a definition or the meaning of your name. You know what I'm talking about? I love to read those. In fact, I found on one of mine one time, this honest truth, I had my name and underneath it had the word handsome. Now, if you don't believe they're not right, just, um, just take that for granted. Amen? I don't think that's why my mother named him anyway. But if anybody was ever properly named, it was Jacob. You know what Jacob means? It literally means subplanner. And what do I mean by a subplanner? I'm talking about a trickster. I'm talking about a con artist. You take Jacob, there was a sneaky streak in Jacob that was a mile long. All of his life, Jacob had lied. All of his life, Jacob had cheated. All of his life, he had conned his way through life. But then Jacob did something one day that really created a stir down in the house. He had cheated his brother out of his birthright, and Esau was out for blood. And Jacob, for fear of his life, had to flee everything he'd ever known. He had to flee the comforts of his home. He had to leave mom and dad. He had to leave family and friends. He had to leave every security that he'd ever known in life and run for his life. And Jacob's sin of lying and cheating had began to catch up on catch him, catch up on up with him. And his unscrupulous and sinful schemes was the reason that he suddenly found himself out in the middle of the desert, shivering in the cold, using a stone for a pillow and feeling so, so lonely. Now let me say this. Let me be very clear. Not all loneliness is caused by sin. But I want to remind you tonight that a sinful life is one of the most lonely lives you can live. You remember when Adam sinned, one of the first emotions that he felt was loneliness. He found himself estranged and cut off from God. Some of the most lonely people you'll meet are people that are away from God. That feeling that God has abandoned them and that feeling that God has given them up. Though it's not true. That God has forsaken them. That is not true. But yet there's something about being away from God. Something about sin that is so, so lonely. And that's just a few of the reasons. I could go on and on and on. But here's the third thing and really what we're driving at. The cure for loneliness. There is a case of loneliness. Here's old Jacob out there. First time he's ever been away from home. Nobody to talk to. Nobody to turn to. No one to help him. He's all alone and so lonely. But under a canopy of stars, a lonely Jacob fell asleep. But yet his sleep was not a nightmare. He had a dream. And in that dream, God gave him a remedy for loneliness. Let me give you two things. Write them down. Notice, first of all, what was shown to Jacob. Look at verse 12 and 13. The Bible said he dreamed, Jacob dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. Again, instead of having a nightmare, he had a wonderful dream. And in Jacob's dream, he saw this ladder reaching from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. And he saw these angels descending and angels ascending on the ladder. What a glorious sight it must have been. 
But here was what was so glorious about his dream. He not only saw this ladder reaching from earth or from heaven to earth and earth to heaven and angels descending and ascending, but he saw standing at the very top of the ladder one that was available to him during his time of loneliness. You know what Jacob saw that night? The dream that he saw, he saw someone that he could turn to and he saw how he could get to him. Now you listen to me tonight. You may be here and on the outside you smile, but on the inside you are so lonely. And you may feel like there is no one that you can turn to and there is no one you can to and there is no one you can talk to or there's no one you can go to but yet I want to remind you there is the Lord and the Lord is near and you can get to him you may not have any friends you may not have any family but you can climb God's ladder and take your lonely heart to God See, a lonely heart, a lonely heart. There is someone that you can go to with your lonely heart. I think about a black preacher back in the 1900s in the city of Philadelphia by the name of Charles Tinley. He was born into slavery, and at the age of five, he was left an orphan. Later in life, he moved to Philadelphia where he attended night school, took a correspondence course from the Boston School of Theology. He served for several years as janitor of the Calvary Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia. In 1902, he was called to be pastor of that church. Under his leadership, the church greatly prospered, reached a membership of over 12,000, including black and white, along with many other minority ethnic groups. But Tinley was not only a successful pastor, but he was a gifted hymn writer. He wrote great hymns such as Nothing Between, Stand by me along with many, many, many others. But probably one of the best known hymns that Tinley wrote, he wrote after one of his members, deeply distressed, came to him. And Tinley made this little homespun remark. He said, put all your troubles in a sack, take them to the Lord and leave them there. That homespun, homespun remark sparked something in his heart and it sparked, sparked the words and the music of the hymn, leave it there. And he wrote, if the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds a little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Jacob found himself in the loneliest hour in the night of his life, but in that lonely hour, he found there was a God in heaven that he was given access to, that he could take his burdens to, and he could leave them at the feet of the Lord. You may be lonely tonight. How do you handle loneliness? If I may bar loneliness, if I may borrow Tinley's advice, put all your troubles in a sack, even your loneliness, and take them to the Lord and leave them there. But notice secondly, not only what was shown to Jacob, but notice what was said to Jacob. Even greater than what he saw was what he heard. Look at Genesis 28, 15. Now get it now. Jacob is so lonely. But what does God say to Jacob? He said, Behold, I am with thee. To a lonely man, God said, And I will keep thee in all places, whither thou, soever thou goest. Can you think of anything that was any more comforting to Jacob that night than to hear God say, Behold, I am with thee? 
Can you think of anything that was any more comforting to know that he had a God that he could go to, a ladder was provided, access was provided to God to take his burdens to, and then to hear that Lord say, Jacob, I am with thee. He didn't have his mama to turn to anymore. He didn't have his dad to turn to anymore. He didn't have his family and friends to turn to anymore. He didn't have anybody. But God said, I am with thee. Can I say tonight that the Lord sends the same sweet message to our lonely hearts. He says to every one of us tonight, behold, I am with thee. And he says to me and he says to you that there is never a moment that he's not with us. That he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Behold, I am with thee. That's what God says to us. I love the promise of Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave thee and I will never forsake thee. That word never there in the Hebrew or Greek rather is actually a double negative. And, and double negative in English is not good, but in Greek it gives emphasis to something. And it would read it, I will never, I will never, no, never leave thee. I think about a little lady, an elderly lady that heard her preacher preach one morning on the text. And he explained in his sermon that the word never in Greek was a double negative that gave emphasis to the words. And he said that the Lord is really saying, I will not, I will not leave thee. Well, after the service, as she was going out, she walked to the pastor, walked up to the pastor, shook his hand, and looked at him and said, Preacher, God may have to tell you Greek scholars twice that he'll never leave you, but he only has to tell me once. Well, I want to say tonight, it once or twice. Here's the promise of God to us tonight. Whether you're sitting in an empty dorm room or sitting in an empty house all by yourself, sitting over an office but yet so lonely, lonely no matter where you're at, here's the promise of God. Behold, I am with thee. You are never, never alone. He is always there. How do you handle loneliness? It's like anything else in life. You handle it in Him and you handle it in the promises of God. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Jacob was so lonely, but he found someone that he could turn to and someone that he could talk to, and he found someone that was always with him. He would never be alone, therefore, he never had to be lonely. We have the same promises tonight. And maybe tonight we're going to sing one or two stanzas, whatever the Lord would lead us. And you may want to come and pray tonight for various reasons. You may want to come and pray for someone. You may want to come and pray about something. Then again, it may be tonight. What you need to do is just slip out of your seat and come down here and find you a place in this old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, thank you for being with me. I don't have a lot of friends, I don't have a lot of family, but I've got you. And I've got access to you. You are available. There is your available presence and there is your abiding presence. Lord, you are near. Maybe you just need to talk to the Lord and just pour your heart out. Just put your burdens in a sack tonight and take them to the Lord. And take them to the Lord and leave them there. Bring your fears, bring your guilt, even bring your loneliness and give them to the Lord. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, I am so thankful that you're with us. 
I'm so thankful, Lord, that through Christ, our ladder, you have given us access to you. Father, I'm so glad that we're not alone and that no matter where we are, out in the desert, all alone, we're not alone, that you're with us, and I thank you for it. So tonight, maybe you'll help somebody. I pray you will. And maybe you'll strengthen somebody's heart and may they find in you a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. May they find in you, Lord, one that will be everything they need in life and can meet, the, meet, meet their every need. Just bless and just help somebody tonight and I will be most grateful and I pray you'll get glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand their feet. We're going to sing one, maybe two stanzas.